right, here we go. It is podcasting time. Colin Thomas is here from Essential Maintenance, and we will fix it, Dubai. Here is the Rove Hotel Downtown Dubai's <laughs> podcast studio. And we're going to be talking DIY and, and catching up and some of our stories and, 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 and. That's well, the and, and, and is all the non-DIY <laughs> stuff that when we ramble off in a particular direction... We really, I think there should be, like, before we start every episode, you know how they have that that standard thing about, um, just be aware, this isn't suitable for all audiences. Oh, no, no, I, I, it's labeled, it, depending how you're listening or watching. And by the way, subscribe to whatever method you're doing that. Yes. Because we love subscribers. Uh, no, this is a family show. <laughs> oh, we do. We do the family show side. It's just, I do go off on one, and I do apologize up front for anyone that's expecting a pure DIY show. No, no, it's, we try. It's the world. When you think of DIY, and this is my how this show absolutely is a DIY show. Because when you're doing DIY, you're never just doing That's DIY. That's a really valid point, actually. You're always sidetracked, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And you've got your beverages that you've got to keep, you know, keep cold, and so you got to be thinking about. You've always got lunch. You've always got a side trip to go pick up more stuff, which means you're stopping by if you're in Canada, maybe a uh, Harvey's, or you're stopping by a breakfast place, you're stopping by a donut shop. And then you're getting there in some vehicle, and you've got vehicle envy when you get to wherever you're going because you've got to bring stuff back. Next <laughs> thing you know, you haven't done the DIY, but you've got a really nice new car. I'd be happy with that. So, so DIY is really an all-encompassing life conversation. Well, I'm glad about that. I don't feel quite so guilty now, James. But um, yes, in which case, let's have an all-encompassing life conversation. This could work. Well, it, you know, this is an interesting one because I was thinking yesterday, what do you guys talk about at your shop in the you mornings? You really don't want to know what well, we talk about. And I figured that because I was over at PowerWorks Garage yesterday talking to DJ and, of course, Glenn. Yeah. And we're standing around the toolbox. And if you're on YouTube looking at the shorts, you will notice that I posted a little piece about what you find in a mechanic's toolbox. It's great, that area, isn't it? I love the area that they created with the lights above it, where you can just, you you feel the vibe, don't you? Yeah. So, so, so we go there and obviously I I bring in the Jeep because we're, we're, we're doing a little shooting for Glenn, but I also thought, guys, I got, you gotta, gotta look for something on my Jeep because something's weird. And we sorted it out. I think duct tape's going to be the, the answer to that. Duct tape's the answer to most things on your tubes, isn't it? Yeah. Duct tape and rope. Yeah. Rope officially approved by the RTA, no less. Absolutely, and the duct tape. Like, <laughs> oh, man. So we're sitting there, we're having a chat, and we're in a garage yeah. with cars and power tools. And what are we talking about? Ingrown toenails. Yes, and, nice. And we had a, at least a 15-minute conversation about dealing with ingrown toenails and how over the years we've dealt with ingrown toenails. Yes. Including DJ's epic story about where he used an exacto knife to to uh, score his nail. He's then holding it as tight his his big toe as tight as he can with his with his 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 I'm his amazed grip. To use a vice grip. Um, and then he he had some sort of pliers or something where he pulled off that piece. His dad walks in, here's like as, and as he pulls this infected, ingrown toenail, there's a splatter oh, of no. liquids oh, on no. the wall. See, DJ is seriously hardcore at the best of times. I thought you said this was a family show. But, but we're in the garage, 
talking about cars and we get on to ingrown tone and then, at which point glenn then has a story and it, it's no no they do it's almost like one upmanship and then you find out that these stories happen to both of them at the same time because obviously they've got a very long shared history yes but uh, yeah they are great for a story yeah. or two especially when they're together yeah. that's really good so by the way you should do an episode with them um, dj as well i think we should it is highly yeah. entertaining when the two of them start talking about back in the day oh dear oh dear Lots of fun. Yeah. Right, where are we going? Well, we, we wanted to, you know, start talking about some of the junk that we've played around with and yes, some of the jobs that have gone really well and, and been surprises. And, and really I thought, well. <laughs> I, I, I labeled it crazy jobs. And okay. And you, you had some really good ones. The, the, the oddest of all was a job that we had in Albasha for a Maltese lady. Like the, the dog? No. from a. Le- oh, she's from Malta. She's from Malta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did I get that right? <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. Maltese, Maltese lady. She? Yeah, she's... <laughs> yes. She's a fantastic <laughs> customer for many, many years. She's just left. Actually, no, she must have left. It must be a couple of years ago now. And she was a wonderful customer all the way through. And she asked us if we could come to take a look at the, um, the hutch that she had for her pets. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. We can, we can kind of do that. Anyway, we turned up, and this is one of those Barsha properties. You know the big villas with the yeah. massive front lawn? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and there's kind of holes all over the front lawn, like big holes. It was almost like, um, if you imagined, like a mini bombing. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, so we're talking like holes that were probably about, I don't know, three foot wide. Really? And then mounds as well. It's like they've got, you know, Giant, giant moles, that yeah, kind yeah. of yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Okay, and it's really kind of disconcerting. And then there's this enormous hutch in the corner. <laughs> so, okay, so whatever it is is above ground. Yeah, I'm kind of a, a bit freaked out at this point. <laughs> anyway, so we we and walked, she, has she met you at this point, or you've just come in and she? Well, the idea was that we saw the doorbell on the front door, but we'd have to go yeah. through the. <laughs> through the front, the front garden to get there and we're not sure what, what these are or how they move so we thought it's best to ring ahead hi we're here oh yes just come down i'll knock on the front door the bank like oh okay if you're sure we need to do that so we um she basically we knocked on the uh, on the front door and it turns out there were two jobs that i'd, I'd forgot about the second bit so it turns out they're tortoises. We didn't have much to worry about, but giant ones. I mean, huge. Okay, big. Did, now, were they in the hutch or were they in the so ground? at or? the time, they were in the hutch. Okay. But So therefore, what she needed was AC within the hutch for the tortoises. Okay, I get that. But tortoises... Are you talking the wild? <laughs> yeah, they just... And they're in temperate climates as well. Yeah, right? yeah. They, they're used to the heat. That's what they do. Then they dig in the ground to cool down. Okay, okay I'm, only, I'm only going on what we were told, yeah. right? So... Uh, that actually was a remarkably easy job because, uh, again, if you get a window unit, it's all yeah. it's all kind of there and thereabouts and all that. So that wasn't too bad. She then gave us the second job, which was they can escape. What? Like, what you got a picket fence? Oh yes, no, they can they can escape as well <laughs> from the yard. From the yard. But she so she just had a picket fence. To, she just didn't have one of these giant brick retaining walls that we have. At, no, it was a picket fence. So what we needed to do was to basically dig out the 
sort of start of the corners uh-huh. and then we netted it initially with quite thick net and we explained to her, you've got to be careful this, this doesn't get bitten and shot oh yes 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 mm. and then we had to use basically uh, metal stakes in at intervals so we roughly measured the smallest of the tortoises <laughs> yeah and then we worked out the distance that we needed for these uh, these stakes to very go down. scientific here well thank you yeah. it wasn't me um <laughs> <laughs> So then drive these in, and then we basically would um, would cut them off, so that way they yeah. were below ground and below ground by quite some margin, so that they couldn't actually burrow down yeah. beyond where uh, we put up the netting, okay, um, to be able to go under the the, uh, the fence. And they got quite close in in a couple of areas, so we just about managed that one. So you know, it's just you never quite know. Well, you do normally if if our, our the customer service team are doing their job properly, yeah, and they've asked all the right questions, and that's the key, isn't it? No, it's it's massive. But now on a Wednesday, so we have um, every Wednesday we have our, our team meeting, which is our chance to to download, and then also very importantly, we have a um, a representative for all of the employees, and um, he comes to us with anything that is a, a concern or anything that we can improve. It's really yeah. his job to to talk amongst the team. And it is anonymous. So that okay. way, we, we desperately want the information. We don't want people to be worried about any disciplinary yeah, matters yeah. or whatever. So therefore, it is stuff that we can openly discuss and quickly before it becomes yeah. a, a pressure cooker. And do you get a lot of stuff from the employees, a lot of little <clears throat> things that they say, you know, or... We did. You know, when we, when we came back and took over from the, um, from the previous management team, you, as you know, we spent six, seven years where we were, we were semi-retired, Dan and I. We came back now almost two years ago. And when we came back, it was a deluge. It was, there were a lot of, of, um, of staff that weren't happy at all. And they'd lost trust in, in management as well. Mm. So we, we actively worked extremely hard to get that trust back, which we now have, which is wonderful. So we've gone, and we, oh, part of it is a happiness survey that's done on a monthly basis with all the staff. And, and now, I think we had one who was neutral last month. All the rest were happy or very happy at the company, which, which was great. And it was a specific issue with the, um, the, the neutral guy. Um, which was just about the fact that and it's a very valid issue that he was working on our central maintenance team and the schedule that he was on meant he hardly saw his wife. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can work with that. You know, yeah. there's there's plenty that we can do to sort that and and, and you know just a bit of give and take. He he basically been kept on the wrong rotor uh, for way too long. Yeah. And instead of going to a shifting schedule where you know what one week in four you probably won't see much of each other, but the other three weeks you should be absolutely fine. So I'm glad he brought it to our attention. We fixed it, and on we go. Isn't that one of the most crazy things when you think about a business and you think about employees? It's the little things that but, matter. And if you talk yeah. to your employees and have an honest conversation with them, no judging, yeah, you find out, okay, well, what's what's the motivator for this employee, which is going to be a totally different motivator for another employee, yeah, and you can make it work. But that's the thing. If you've got the business running right and you get to a scale where we as, as the uh, owners and in effect we run as general managers these days, Dan and I, um, in that situation, if we've got it running correctly, we should be able to create enough space within our workflow that we can take those on. Because that's the difference between a company that A, will retain staff, and B, happy staff are those that would deliver a heck of a lot more for the customer. And if the customers are happy, everything else flows. And you've got pretty good retention right now. You've got great retention (laughs) right now. Yeah, We we had a a massive dump after um, COVID because we had nobody that left in three years, literally nobody. So there's a big dump at that point. But, um, you know, in recent, recent 
two years actually I think since Dan Ray got back which is probably just a coincidence it's um it's doing incredibly well you know bad management and it's so easy for folks to come in and you know you trust them and they've got great references and they've got a great pedigree and it should work and they Mm. and and, you know you trust well that's the thing you you also uh, especially when it's somebody senior uh, you want to kind of step back and give them their space to, yeah. to to try and work, and um, yeah, you live and you learn, don't you? Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's, um, and also it's it's kind of difficult because the um, you know Ewan, who was yeah, our, yeah. our first general manager, utterly brilliant. He was awesome, um, and so you know when you go from that to somebody who is the opposite extreme, yeah, it gets really painful. But you know the good news is we're we're back. And yeah. we're in a really good place now, but it it was a it was a proper situation where Dan and I had to sit down, focus, and um, and focus on our staff because if you focus on your staff, the whole customer side of things tends to flow, yeah. and um, it's it's trying to get that feeling back. It probably took Dan and I about six months, which was back fully in the groove, wow. fully understanding what's going on with the business, and uh, uh, being able to react effectively. Because uh, you know, having been out React for so long, what, give, give me an example. What do you, what, where, where are you going? Where are you going with so that? So when when we get differences in demand, so if you imagine day to day, we get differences in demand. So we might have just a tough day where demand's through the floor, and there's nothing that shows on any of the parameters that we have to explain why that is just a tough day. Mm. Now, if you don't have, if you're not tuned in to where the business is and your general, um, your general demand level, you can worry very dramatically and overreact, which then has an impact on the rest of the week or the rest of the month. So, for instance, you might go, oh, my goodness, we've got a massive demand problem as a result of this, or it might just be two days. And therefore, you go, right, I've got to do a promotion, where at that point, all of a sudden, you're not running profitably. You've simply dumped all of the profit out of what you're doing for a couple of days. It just happened to be a little bit quiet. Yeah. But if you're not tuned into the business, you don't know that there are a couple of days and you react because you're you're worried that your whole month is about to go um, the wrong way. So now it is about when things are going in the wrong direction, we've got all of the indicator parameters in place that give Dan and I the information that we need mm. to be able to make that judgment call on whether or not we need to do anything. Or ride it out, which is often the case, because yeah. the base the baseline is actually really good. We're in a really good place, so it's that really that's uh, that's probably a good a good indicator. It's getting hot. It is. It's getting really. Yesterday was insane, <laughs> and apparently it's hitting fifty this week. You, well, it won't. It'll hit forty nine, no doubt. Yeah. Well, but I, it's rare that the news media talks about the number fifty. Yes. So maybe is. maybe that's changing because and it, and it really it depends where you are, of course. And but but if you imagine as a cosmopolitan city, if we were to shut down, which is the the theory with if we hit fifty, then that has enormous impacts yeah. on on business and just the practicality of running a city like this. Yeah. I understand when we were a little little small metropolis, but we're not anymore. We're we're, we're significantly more than that. So I understand the impact, but I think maybe they need to look at that as a law and um, and work yeah. their way through it. But it, it, if you, you track the weather and you track the temperatures, is it abnormally warm earlier, or is this pretty much on par? No, we're pretty much on par. Okay, there's a few hot days uh, around and about, um, but it is coming back 
Um, so back to, if anything, very slightly below the average. So a little hot period, and then yeah, yeah we'll 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 go back to to track pretty much. One of the things we talk an awful lot about is air conditioning. We talk about AC. Yeah, we talk about the AC servicing. In fact, our last podcast we we talked quite a bit about this. Yes, we did. You've got people who must be calling you up now because, as we said, here in Dubai it's hitting fifty. Other parts of the world it is not fifty yet, but it is warm by yes. their standards. People are turning on their air conditioning units and things aren't working just right. What, when we start talking about AC servicing, what should we be doing so that we don't fall into a situation today where I now need to call up the AC techs? Yeah. What we are finding right now is those units that were working okay, now that it's got so hot, they are no longer, they've gone over the limit of what they were capable of doing because they weren't clean and they weren't serviced. So we've almost got that second wave. Uh-huh. You know, two months ago, we had the, I've turned it on for the first time this season. It went bang. I've got a call. We'll fix it. Now we've got, so it was working just about okay. I didn't service it this year, but, you know, got away with it. And now it's so hot that we're getting the, we need you right now. <laughs> Absolutely, immediately. Because our AC is no longer cooling effectively for the room that we have. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you know, all of those messages that we were sending everybody saying, it's coming. Uh, yeah. Well, it came <laughs> and you weren't ready. So uh, there's loads of coil cleaning right now. So if okay, you. So, someone is listening and they're going, what's coil cleaning? What is a coil cleaning? Because isn't an AC unit just an AC unit? Okay. So the coil is inside the indoor unit, it's actually, we call it coil, but it's an evaporator coil there, there is a big radiator, exactly the same as your car. Most people understand about car radiators. But the difference is that the air passes through this coil, and at that point, it is cooled. Mm. And then the fan blows that air into the room. Okay? Now, when that coil is dirty, if you imagine the volume of air can't go through it anymore. So two things happen. First of all, because you've got less volume of air that can be cooled, you get less cooling in the room. Secondly, as that air hits the coil, if it can't go through, it kind of swirls around. And at that point, the condensation that's within that air is getting super cooled because it's right alongside the coil but not going through. And as a result, the water vapor within it dumps. When the water vapor dumps, it either leaks, which is what people often see with AC, yeah, yeah. or alternatively, because it's really slow around the coil, it starts to freeze. And you end up with literally an enormous frozen block. Yeah. Okay, At that point, because it's a block, no air passes through it. And at that point, you're like, I've got no cooling. <laughs> and then we come, we go, when we turn this off, a load of water is about to come out of it. And it can take hour and a half two hours to get all of that ice off again and it can be like a shower coming through your ceiling wow and again that's all down to that or it could also be down to the fact that if your acs haven't been serviced effectively and you're on a standard split gas system that you are actually low on gas in that situation which can uh, can cause that issue as well and oddly enough i got caught out with that this week what yeah. You you have yours cleaned all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Since I, I, well, mine was a little bit more complex. So mine was, um, first of all, started with a capillary problem. And the capillary is the bit of the AC unit that is uh, that basically creates the refrigeration, the cooling effect. Okay. And it's the most difficult bit to work on. So then the boys came and cleaned it. 
and they put it back to exactly where it should have been in terms of the gas pressures. But this particular unit just so happens to like to run at a higher gas pressure than we would normally recommend. Why is that? Do you have any uh, any idea? It's just an anomaly. It's just a, well, it's an older okay. older AC unit, and you What's try brand? and Did tune you wanna... in. It's LG. This one. Oh, okay, it's a good so, brand. Yeah, life is, life there's is good. Dodge. There's nothing dodgy yeah. about it. Um, but it is just sometimes you need to tune in a sweet spot, and uh, they didn't hit the sweet spot initially. So then it was a repeat job for us. Um, and actually, we were a lot of um, additional sit down with Rene and the guys uh, yesterday to go right. Okay, what can we learn from this? And the answer was nothing. <laughs> we did everything right. And unfortunately, that's the business that we're in. Sometimes there are just redos. Yeah. You know? And sometimes and it's not a perfect yeah. science that, we, uh, that we're doing with maintenance. I'm sure Glenn talks about the same thing frequently with cars. And it's the same thing. Yeah. As soon as you put them up on the hoist. Yeah. You do your absolute best with them. And sometimes they just will not play ball. Well, yeah. AC units are, are a similar scenario. But what I get asked the whole time, and the, the bit that really is the difficult one to explain is how often should I service my ACs? Well, this is, this is, there's another question that builds into this. So you got a two for one here. Yeah. Servicing versus cleaning. Are they not the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Let's take on the first part of that um, first, which is how often should I, uh, should I service my ACs? So the issue that you have is you have so many variables. So the variables include the age of the AC. Uh huh what the start point is in terms of um, how clean it is, how it's been serviced, and the re- your requirements, how often you're using it, without a doubt, and also the environment that it's in. How clean is the air that's around? You'd be amazed. I, I think I spoke about my brother-in-law's place in uh, Alreem, which they've, uh, they've sold finally. And um, that place is the only place that I've ever been to where we did uh, I know for a fact that the initial service was excellent. Technician, I 100% trust it was done perfectly. I had the pictures to prove it. We went back two and a half months later, and the filters were filthy beyond belief. They are not. They don't live in a dirty way whatsoever. Yeah. But what had happened was that the fresh air duct that goes from the roof into that same ceiling void happened to be pointed in the direction of where all the sand comes and it sucked it straight the way down into the roof void and it just plastered it all over the uh, the ac unit i sometimes wonder if that isn't an issue for town square oh yeah yeah, yeah. the back of town square <laughs> yeah, especially yeah because yeah, yeah. the wind just blows off the desert yeah so you may imagine that variation oh, man. and that's one where just an anomaly it was nothing that anybody yeah. could could expect what we did was we uh, we built on to the fresh air vent at the top. We put uh, an elbow on it and pointed it in the opposite direction. Smart. So that way, yeah, hopefully, yeah. it won't it won't happen again for the next owner. But um, again, you have these variables. So what we have to do as a company is we have to make just a general scenario, okay? And that general scenario is what we have on an essential maintenance contract, mm. and that is every four months get your AC serviced. And if you're going to make that commitment to us, we'll make a discount for you, which is how an essential contract happens alongside all the 24-7 cover that you've got, the 90-minute response time, the free labor on anything that is uh, contract-related, and the discounts on all the other services. It's just a a sensible way of operating. They're committing to us. We'll commit to them. So three times a year, you should be getting your unit cleaned. As a general rule. Now, Now, does this kind of logic also apply to places like the UK or not really? No. 
totally yeah. different totally different environment um if you imagine in the uk uh, there's a lot more related to wet right. weather yeah. and the damage that that does and leaves and all that kind of yeah. grime that gets into it um, rather than sand, which operates in quite a different way. Mm. But um, for the other units are chilled water. So if you live in an apartment block, oh, and especially yeah. a high-rise here in Dubai, it's a different scenario. And I can't do anything way. for that, though. Like, as, a, as an owner, do I have any control over the chilled water? Just the evaporator in my roof, maybe, but... Exactly. Utterly zero. Yeah. Is what you've got. <laughs> the only thing that you really should think about is there are Y strainers and all these are. Is what? Y strainer? A Y strainer. So what that does is it sits in the main chilled water pipe uh-huh. and before uh, each of the units and it has a sieve in it, which is okay. exactly the same as if you're sieving vegetables. It's the same thing. Identical right. and do they to get, that. Do they get dirty? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I would think that the chilled water is a sealed system it should be clean it and is a sealed system but again it depends entirely on where you are uh, as to whether or not the chilled water provider over the history because they change the, the um the chilled water providers or who's managing the chilled water system did they put the right amount of rust inhibitor in there all the way through its history okay because those are basically galvanized iron pipes and the answer is in certain locations no, that huh. didn't happen. If you're in JLT, if you're in Jumeirah Islands, yeah. good luck. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Uh, and it's not uh, now. It's not now. The, the providers now are, are excellent. It is those people that were, um, and those companies rather, in the past that uh, did not do what they were supposed to do, and the results are, are dramatic. Wow. I mean, you know, why strain cleaning? It, literally, JLT, if I hear of a chilled water unit that is not cooling properly, my number one go-to is make sure that you uh, you backwash it and um, and do the wire strainers as part of a standard service. But generally speaking, in those locations where you have got chilled water, because the unit is in effect enclosed within your your apartment, you have a yeah. provision of chilled water that's down to the chilled water company to manage. When it gets into your your apartment, you're only working with the environment of your own apartment. Ah, okay. So they can last longer. Now. There's an almighty caveat to that. Of course there is. <laughs> which is, if you imagine those fresh air ducts that I spoke about uh, at my um, my brother uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law's place in in Alreem, they're even more important in a in a high-rise block, and the fact that oh. they're not blocked off. I'm sure you've been in apartments before where when you open the door, there's an almighty air rush. Yes, that is when the fresh air um, uh, ducts are not working effectively part of their job as well as keeping fresh air within the property is to balance the air Ah. well if you're getting a big rush of air that air is not balanced so there is a problem without a doubt so but again as part of this process yes there are filters there how do those filters actually maintain yeah not that often i think is fair to say so on that basis it it can be a, a major issue in terms of the cleaning of the acs as well so we do recommend in exactly the same way three services a year on those units as well. And also the actuators, which are the valves open and close the amount of um, of water that is uh, chill water that's going into the unit, aren't that reliable as well. <laughs> oh, no. So therefore, you do need that checking just to make sure. Do they just wear out? Like, uh, are they, you know? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Either there's a motor that, that operates on the valve. They can disconnect. Or uh, alternatively, a valve gets stuck. If it gets stuck, it invariably gets stuck open, which means that your bills will increase quite dramatically. And all you'll know is, 
wow, I've got great AC at the moment. <laughs> You've got more than you're supposed to have. Yeah. So sometimes uh, we do get that complaint. I'm absolutely freezing in my apartment and the AC won't shut off. Yeah, okay, you've got an actuator problem. So how do they measure cost for a, a chilled water system? It's is volume, it volume of just, water. So they just measure how much is going in and yes, bill exactly. you accordingly? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. standard thing. Mm. Um, I mean, there's some places that will do just a general standard. Yeah. Um, but most places will bill you according to the volume of okay. uh, chilled water that you use. So the warmer you keep it, the less you pay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, like AC anywhere. Yeah. Y- your brother-in-law, he's, they've moved out of Al Reem. They have moved. Well, well, In fact, they've been out of Al Reem for quite a while, but they were renting it out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that place. Well, what was the thinking? You know, people are always talking, buy, buy, buy. Uh, and they sold, sold, sold. Well, that's a simple one, actually, which was they um, they bought it pretty much um, back in 2007, okay. late 2007, so right. just before the crash. Oh, yeah. And they actually got a really good deal on the mortgage okay. at the time, and they've kept it for all that time. They moved, I think, five years ago to the villa, and at that point, it was just a terrible time to be selling a property, and they yeah. would have been serious negative equity. So they've been renting it out, and they've had really good tenants for a while. Um, but finally, they're at the point where they won't be losing when they sell it, and right. they want to take that as a as a as a uh, an upside. Oh, nice! And I think it's a very sensible idea in many respects. I think it's probably a little bit more of an upside. If I was them, I probably would have risked it for another six months or so. Yeah. But then again, it's always easy saying that. Um, yeah. You know up front and um let's see whether or not i was right yeah um but the, the fact is they've got it they've got it pretty much over the line now and um and they don't have to worry about that but the big kicker was that the mortgage that they their latest mortgage um which was fixed finishes in a couple of months and uh, at that point mortgage rates are way higher than what they had from two years to three years ago yeah. so it, it would have cost them a huge amount that's to the big conundrum it isn't it rent yeah. versus buy and there's no, there's no hard and fast at all. No. Um, I've got another real good friend of mine right now um, who is, he's been, actually I work with him in London, we're, we're PlayStation buddies, and uh, he came over here, actually kind of, oh no, no, not exactly to replace me, but, but um, th- that kind of area. And um, he is, for the first time after six, seven years, he's buying here okay. uh, in Miro Oasis. And um, previously he was in Green Community, uh, Green Community DIP, wow. uh, renting and have been for a long, long while. Um, Meadows before that's a really good, um, you know, well, well worked out uh, development. So he's going to Mirror Oasis now and uh, we're doing a whole load of work for him as part of the handover process. But um, I, I, he's just brilliant because he's so methodical in the way that he approaches things. He's an accountant by trade uh-huh. um, as a start point now. He's a general um, commercial guy, so a real broad thinker. And it is great to be able to uh, work with somebody where you know, okay, totally agree with the whole logic of where he's going. Let's see what we can do, actually, to reduce the scope of the works that he, he's suggesting. Yeah. He wants, to, he wants a, um, a base point, so that way when they move in, they know that everything is absolutely fine for the start point, and then they can just go on standard maintenance rather than anything reactive. Right. So he wants all preventative done up front. But things like he's talking about, can you go through all the sewer system and um, and clear all that out for us? Well, you know what? For the amount of time that it'll take to remove all the toilets to then rod them and, uh, and, and, and carry on from there, it actually is not a cost-effective job to do that. 
be mm. reactive. Give yourself like three weeks or a month. We will be there for you. Um, he's also an essential maintenance customer as well, so we really will be there for him. And, um, and, and there should be no reason that you actually need to do that work. Conversely, on the ACs, that side of things, he wants a base position. Okay. So therefore, not only will we service them, but we will duct clean them, we will coil clean them as well. All of which, because in the M customer, he gets 25% discount on. So when you start thinking about homes, be them apartments or, you know, a villa, <laughs> you've got two different scenarios. You've got the moving in and what you guys can do to help yes. get a base. And you've got the moving out. Yeah. Where, again, I'm thinking you guys must be getting called periodically to come and have a... Yeah, we do. Less on the moving out than the moving in. Um, but then it all depends on who you are moving out with. The scenario now, which has kind of changed slightly, is officially by law, you don't need to repaint a property to hand it back. I constantly hear people repainting the properties, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but then equally, it is on a three-year scenario, I think, that it, that's, that's, that's there. So people who leave after a year is where it gets really sticky. Okay. So landlords will write into the contract that the property needs to be handed back in the same condition that yeah. they received it. Now, that is a very sticky area on both sides for RERA and the way that they would operate in, in that situation. So that's a real estate regulatory authority. After a year, I think that they would probably say, yeah, you need to repaint it in that scenario. So then the tenant will go, well, actually, after one year, I'm not paying for this whole thing to be repainted. So then the compromise often is, right, touch it up then and see where mm -hmm. you can get to. Well, after a year, the paint that you, assuming you did paint it at the time when you moved in, even if you have the same pot, UV has taken its, <laughs> its job on that, um, on that paint, and therefore it will have faded. Yeah. So therefore, you're then looking at panels, and it gets kind of a little bit more painful. So then, if we go in, rather than doing the big swathes and massive paintbrushes, sometimes, assuming that those, um, the, the pictures and the curtains went up correctly, with correctly drilled holes, we will literally do um, a, a, a job where we'll mix the paint into the filler that we use to fill the holes and only fill the holes. Don't go around those holes. Right. So the way we actually do it is masking tape over the top. We grab a biro. We then split the, um, the, a, the what's, holes. What's a biro? Uh, a pen. Oh, okay. Thick, okay, thick. okay. Gotcha. <laughs> is that a pure British one? Biro? Uh, yeah, I, I don't that's nuts. It could be a big pen. I mean, if you'd said a big pen, but talking to that, you well, actually, no, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. But you did one to me this week where I did not understand what the heck you're going on about. It must have been Canadian. Uh, let's do that one. Okay, I have got to work out what that one was. All right, Colin's going to find that one. You sent something to me where I was like, "What, what? are you going on about?" James? It could have been a typo as well. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, you'll, you'll get oh, it. I can't find it now. Yeah, you'll Goodness find, knows you'll where find you it after. Because you use so many different media. You know? <laughs> I manage Facebook and WhatsApp, that's it. And, and you come at me from all angles. It's good going. I don't know how you manage it. Right, anyway, I'm back. So, using the biro, we then <laughs> stick a hole into the masking tape. And then we literally, using a thumb and the, 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 the paint, we pack it ah, all the way in okay. like that. And then smooth it off. Normally, if you have a little bit of extra water on your finger, you can literally just smooth it. Yeah. Then you leave it for about 10 to 15 minutes, no more. 
and then you rip the tape off and it should leave a perfect repair okay. behind. Wow. If you leave it longer, it will crack as you pull it. If you do less, it will droop as you as you do it as well. So it, the timing is is something that takes a little bit of uh, practice. But then that that is the only way. I can't stand it. And actually, I've 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 almost gone disciplinary on people um, within the company who have done the splodges on walls to try uh, and improve yeah, things. Yeah. We are not there. Whether a customer asks for it or not, we are not there to create terrible work. Yeah. Because if somebody else sees it, or if they're asked, "Blimey, who did that?" Oh, we will fix it. Did that. The, the yeah. bad reflection on the company is horrific. Oh, but the customer asked me to do it. Well, you work for me, not them. <laughs> exactly. So on that basis, these are our standards, and you stick to them. Otherwise, you'll have a problem with me. Yeah. It drives me at the wall when that happens. Even though customers think that's what they need, yeah. our job is to educate them about what a decent standard is. You want to go less than that? No problem. Do, Find somebody else. Do you get landlords who call you in after people have moved out to come and do a, a walkthrough, fix things up? Yes, and, yeah. yeah, frequently. I mean, and it's always a, a certain type of landlord that will call us in that situation, which is one that actually cares about the long-term investment in their property. Two types of landlords here. You get those that all they want is the money. They'll do nothing. Yeah. And they won't tell you that beforehand. It's only once they've got your cash that they will say to you, oh, you know, all of those claims that you're making against me, jog on. That's not happening. Mm. And uh, I would say that's a 70, 80% scenario. And then you get those that are on there for the long term and they really appreciate having a good tenant in. Yeah. And when that happens, honestly, it's so nice to be able to deal with honestly in that situation. I'll often throw in discounts there because I just know that they're decent people trying mm. to do the right thing for their tenant. And, um, you know, we hugely respect that internally. Nice. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about the paint issue you were talking about, and it reminds me of one of the catastrophes that I ran into not understanding the paint here coming from North America. And, you know, you go buy your latex or oil-based or water-based, and you get it in your gallon jug, and away you go. Yes. And I remember buying paint back in 2003, Mm. a big jug of this wonderful blue water paint. Yeah, yeah open it up and it was like paste and i thought what the heck is going on here and used it and did whatever i had to do and then someone said well didn't you dilute it i'm going what what are you talking yeah. about dilute paint in what planet do you dilute paint i know it's nuts isn't it <laughs> uh, so here you often find that because it evaporates uh, more quickly because of a hot environment that the paint is designed to take up to 10 percent yeah. additional water that you add to it which contractors do all the time if you imagine to them they'll be right at 10 percent on the basis that oh. they want to stretch the yeah. uh, the paint out further is that where sometimes you go to places and you touch the wall and the paint kind of comes off on your hand no, no totally different that's because they've used a particularly cheap brand <laughs> okay <laughs> now the interesting thing is i any contractor that i work with a we know the paint that we use so on that basis i know what that's going to go on the wall like and i forbidly expressly um, will not allow any contractor that's working with us, and we only use one, to be fair, to uh, from doing that, because it basically means that you end up with a very, unless they are very good at measuring, which they never are, <laughs> and also they add it at the start when the, the uh, container is pretty much full, which yeah. they're not going to do, because then when they mix it, it'll go everywhere, then it ends up with variations of colour. Yeah. So at that point, I'm I'm done. I'm absolutely utterly cooked. And if I if I see that in a property, I know I will know immediately whether or not they've done that. Uh, what it does do is it stops the or it reduces the stipple effect that you get um, right. uh, when you're using a roller. 
So they there is logic for doing it from that perspective. But if you're doing it, you need to do it right, um, without a doubt. That is less of an issue if you're doing one wall, because in that situation, the same container will be used for the entire wall, um, rather than if you had an enormous um, you know, living room where it's going to take more than one uh, container to be able to do it. Yeah. So it's a difficult one. And very less and less companies are doing that scenario with paste. Um, there, there is one that is very well known for doing it, which also does have that chalky effect. <laughs> yeah. That's just rubbish paint, not oh, to do with man. the water. You know what? One of the things that I've noticed is even though we've got more variety of hardware available, we still don't have this great variety of hardware available when we no, talk I about agree. I, don't, I don't understand why. And also, if you imagine that Western model of yeah. DIY store, and everybody talks about Ace Hardware and SpeedX, which is pretty much all we have, but they're not the kind of Western-style place that uh, that we're certainly used to. They're, they're normally kind of half the size, yeah. and um, they don't have the variety that we're used to back home. But the problem is we don't have the same DIY culture that we have back home. And that's the problem, isn't it? Why um, bring it all in? Yeah, and therefore when they've gone to the big store setup, like, uh, for instance, Ace Hardware did do at Festival City, they had the space there to be able to do um, the, the full DIY store as we would know it. But the reality of it was when they tried that, they couldn't get the sales out of the place. Yeah. There wasn't enough DIY demand. So at that point, they brought in um, all of the appliances, all of the Dysons of the world and all this kind of stuff and, and various other tittle-tattle stuff that wouldn't traditionally be in a DIY store because yeah. they need to use the space for uh, effective stuff that would sell. So I totally get it from that yeah. perspective. But what it means is for us as consumers, and especially if you're the, the, the hardcore end of, um, of, a, of a DIYer, you actually need to go and know suppliers for loads of different bits <laughs> yeah. and pieces. Because you can find all the stuff if you can't, well, almost all of it, if you yeah. really look, but you've got to go a little bit of Dragon Mart, a little bit of SpeedX, a little bit of place around the corner. Yes. I sold a van last week to um, one of our, our uh, work vans, went to a British guy who was setting up here on the smaller project side of things. Really lovely guy he is. And we had exactly this conversation. You know, he's like, where's Bill Bart? You know, where's... Uh, <laughs> Where, where, where do I get all this stuff from? I'm like, oh, dear, get ready for this. And But, you know, our, over the years, we've got a Rolodex like you wouldn't believe of pretty much every supplier across the Emirates, and not just in Dubai. Uh. We, we Every day we've got at least somebody who's in charge, of, and now and again we, we need to go to the other Emirates as well just to pick stuff up. And that is just the nature of the beast. Um, which is quite something. The lumberyards still haven't gotten any better either. Uh, I mean, we have great, we've got great lumberyards. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But again, back home, Western model, I can go to the lumberyard. I got my two by four by sixes, my two by four by eights. They're all ready. They're dried. They're ready to go. Could be pressure treated. Might not be pressure treated. Yeah. I got variety. Yes. Okay. So that is a difficulty. <laughs> and the majority of the lumberyards here are, are designed for the construction industry. Yeah, absolutely. So absolute standard stuff and big volumes. But, like, and and bo- long board lengths. It's oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, we work at three meters normally. Yeah, yeah. So three, three meters by 2.4. So huge. And, and often they're not, they're not dressed. The woods, I've gone oh, in no. the places. <laughs> yeah. So I have a supplier, as you know, when I did the shed, yeah. um, I used a supplier that other guys had told me about, and uh, I went super custom with them, and they could do it. Um, so Timberland down in Umramul, but okay. it's an experience. Mr. Yeah. Abu Baka, who is the main dude there, you walk in, and it is 
proper, proper old school. And you need to be ready for that because there's no health and safety whatsoever. And if you're not careful, you'll get, you'll get chopped in half along with whatever they're cutting. So you need to be a little bit careful. Um, equally, if you know exactly what you need, it yeah. won't be re- available off the shelf, but A, he'll make it for you and he'll deliver it, Yeah, um, which is a, a, a nice way to work. And, and I've got to say, on the whole, it was almost yeah. straight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was fun. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy that trip. And, um, yeah, he will be my go-to. But, again, you need quantity. He's not going to do it for small jobs. And if you just need a couple of planks, that's not going to work. I mean, you can get some of those at Ace, but... The premium you pay is quite dramatic for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you are slightly scratching around for for (laughs) things like that. But, you know, that's half the fun. I love the scratching around, per se. Find all sorts of things. And also, for me, I tend to find that for the private projects, if I find something that, um, that is suitable for home, almost always it's got an application for work as well. So yeah. then brief the pitching team, oh, look what I found, yeah. and away we go. You had any uh, discoveries at Dragon Mart lately? No, actually. What's going on with that? You're like a Dragon Mart guy. Yeah, I am a Dragon Mart guy, but then I've got my same suppliers, and, and what I did was I took uh, a couple of my um, team around Dragon Mart to explain to them the difference between rubbish and good quality tools. And did they get it? Oh, they did. They got yeah. it all right. Yeah. yeah. So now, whereas previously, up until very recently, I was still always sourcing tools for uh, new techs, and now I have passed on the baton in that regard. So they will uh, they will do all that for me. Um, they did go a little bit um, rogue. Let's go that way. <laughs> uh, by they bought everything, put it in the van, and as if I didn't need to know anything about it, I said, "Boys." You're not quite on that level yet. What I expect is the whole lot needs to be in the hallway for me. I will inspect absolutely everything to approve it. And also, I want to see your costs, what yeah. you spent on all this, because we, we are very tight on budgets in terms yeah. of what we operate with. But equally, there should never be a scenario where our technicians either have broken tools or alternatively, missing tools that right. they need on a job. The cost of that is way more than the cost of the tool. So it, it's really important to me that we have that communication going with the team so that they're able to let us know when they need something more. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing, one last topic we talked about at the garage. This is going all the way back. We're linking it together. Yeah. We talked about ingrown toenails. We also talked about heat and jock itch. <laughs> heat and jock itch. Well, it, it just happened as I turned around, there was some talcum powder flying through the air in DJ uh, in various degrees of dress. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, dude, got to make sure nothing gets sweaty. I have huge respect for that. I mean, the environment that they work in yeah, yeah. is arduous at best. I was I was there at, at 8 in the morning. It was 42 inside. Oh, I can imagine. There were fans going. It was nice, but it yeah. was 42. Yeah. That's 8 in the morning. And and when you go and see those, mind you, Glenn's never that sweaty. I don't know how he uh, does it. I don't know. What, I don't know. But I'm, I'm utterly in pieces, so I yeah. avoid it like the plague these days. You know, yeah. want to come out on the roof? No, you're all right. Next week. <laughs> and um so but i can totally that's a really yeah. logical idea i'm slightly worried i'll i'll turn to smell like a baby but you know what that's that's all well and good for what you get in yeah there. we then went and had a you know the optimum underwear discussion and all sorts of things it, i just said you know i came here for car reasons and left yeah. with life skills well that's good i mean we we are constantly <laughs> talking to our techs about what else we can provide them with to yeah. just improve things and it turns out that we just did a home run with our, our shirts. They, they, I, I don't think they actually necessarily look as good as some of the, the printed ones. 
But the reality is that they just wick so brilliantly oh. and they breathe so well that the guys have been happy with them for years. So we don't pass on that contact to anyone in their arse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, they're, 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 they're really good and they last as well. Yeah. So we, we kind of stick with that and the, the woven effect. But it might be time for a refresh next year, I think. We might talk about different branding and what we can do with it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think it's time after all this. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, if it's not, if it's not broken, why fix it? Fifteen years of the same designs. So with a minor, one minor refresh. But I think maybe the vans are a little bit too busy now, and people mm. know who we mm. are. So mm. and QR code should be part of it these days. So I, I think there's plenty there that yeah. we should be doing. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll we will start work on that as a winter project. I think yeah. so. Some point next year, expect some kind of refresh. Looking forward to it. Mm. Hey, Colin, this has been a lot of fun as always. I think we've covered all sorts of great things. People will be informed, educated, entertained. We've, it's a home run. It's almost DIY. <laughs> it was 100% DIY. <laughs> Life skills. <laughs> Colin Thomas from Essential Maintenance and We Will Fix It Dubai joins me here on this program. It is the We Will Fix It podcast coming to you from the Rove Hotel, downtown Dubai's podcast studio. And we'll do it all again really soon. However you're listening or watching us, subscribe. Leave comments, leave questions. We want to hear from you. Have a great one. Colin, thank you very much. Always a pleasure.